0: good morning welcome to another bonus podcast if you have us on regular download or looking for our podcast online i just thought we'd let you know that we're switching dates uh to to record on Thursdays because our Tuesdays are just getting more and more (laughs) difficult to get everything in. We have pastors meetings and uh, those have gotten later in the day and the the extra podcast wants to record that day. And so we're arm wrestling them for space. (laughs) So we decided (laughs) to move to Thursday mornings instead. So Brian tells us he will have the podcast up by three or three-ish or whatever on Thursdays. So make it a regular routine if you want to join in to look maybe on the weekend. Uh, I am Crystal. I'm here with Thalia this morning. Mm -hmm. Good morning. Just the two of us. As we're switching to this new time, we have to give people, our guests, time to adjust to it too. So we are both free this morning, so we thought we'd record. Um, So yeah, we're We're sitting
1: here with our coffees. I've got my Tim Hortons. You've got something. Yeah, we're cozy (laughs) cozy in this
0: little room. Yeah, And wanting to talk about uh, the Luke 15 sermon that we heard this last week on the prodigal son. Uh, Last uh, week when we went through our sermon discussion, we spent a lot of time reviewing the sermon. We want to shorten that up a little bit uh, and let you know that what we're going to be talking about is how this um, text really applies in our everyday life, because we do see that very much. And people are hungry to know how does this biblical story apply to us. And so we're going to talk about how do we deal with rebellious people and are we rebellious people? Yes. Because that's what this story kind of pokes at. The story, uh, as Jeff preached and Paul preached in mission, um, the story of the prodigal son basically tells us that God loves repentant sinners. Mm -hmm. That is talked about over and over and over again in the whole chapter. Um, And that there is two different ways to be alienated from God. So we can be alienated through rebellion. Which is what the prodigal son did. Yeah, basically thumbing his nose at God and saying, I don't want anything to do with this." Or we can be alienated... Through, like, being super religious. Yeah. Like the Pharisees. And like the older brother. The older brother in the story, Mm -hmm. but the Pharisees is who Jesus was talking to in this parable, trying to poke them and say, like, you're standing on the outside of my rejoicing with repentant sinners because you think you're so great. Yeah. And you think you don't need salvation. Yeah. And you think that if you do a certain amount of good things, that God's going to do a certain amount of bad or good things in return. Yes. And so they have a whole religious system that they're using to kind of alienate themselves from God. Yes. And if God doesn't act in the way they think he should, they get mad. Mm -hmm. And that can be us too. We think that if we do a certain amount of good things, God owes us other good things. I know. I know. Yeah. I've been there. (laughs) Yep. And I think that's a lot of what culture tells us. If you read books like The Secret or things like that, it says basically do enough good into the universe and the universe will give good back to you. And what happens when that doesn't happen? I know. How do we respond to God? And that's what the older brother is doing in this parable. He's He's responding to a father who he expected to act differently. So that's kind of the summary of the prodigal son chapter, Luke 15. If you want to read through it yourself before listening to this podcast, feel free. But we're not going to read through it at this point. Within that context of this big point that God loves repentant sinners and that there's two different ways to be alienated from God. We thought we would look at the three main characters in this parable and try and figure out. How do their stories um, reflect what we know about God and about ourselves? And what can we learn then um, about how we should deal with people in our lives or ourselves uh, in terms of our rebellious hearts?
1: Yeah, because often people think that the Bible is irrelevant for today, but it actually really applies to Lower Mainland 2017. Yeah. So this is really important that we look at this story and then we look at this in light of how it affects us as well. Yeah.
0: So we want to first look at the father. And then we want to look at the prodigal in the story and then the older brother in the story. So the father in the story, who does the father represent and what do we learn from
1: him? He represents God. Yeah. And God, the father, he loves us, but uh, sometimes he will allow us to go our own way. If we are insistent on pursuing our own direction, our own sin, he lets us do that. And we see that in Romans 1. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Talks about the fact that we, if we continually push away from God in Romans 1, then he turned them over to their own lusts and their yeah. own desires. Mm-hmm. And so that is a something we need to be aware of, that God, as a loving father, will sometimes allow us to pursue a path that's not in line with him, Yeah. hopefully for the purpose of us realizing that life without God is pointless and is not going to lead to any kind of satisfaction. Yeah. So he allows us sometimes to hit rock bottom, like the prodigal does here. Yeah. And when we do and return to him, there's grace and love and rejoicing.
1: Yeah. Like the father in the story. what we see about the father too is he's watching and waiting for his son to return. Yeah. So there is, when this prodigal son leaves and goes his own direction, the father doesn't do a huge angry rant and rave and condemnation and judgment and finger pointing. The father says, okay, you're insistent on going your way and... Go your way. He, I'm sure he's sad about it. I, I'm sure he's grieving over that, but he allows the son to go his own way. And then he watches and waits, hoping that the sun will return today. Maybe today, maybe now. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: what we want to talk about for a few minutes then is how do we follow in God's footsteps? You've kind mm-hmm. of started that already. And then where do we get this wrong? Sometimes like when people come to see you Thalia, yeah. where do people get this wrong? So I think you s- First of all, started off by saying, following in God's footsteps to so following in his, in his heart or in his actions is sometimes allowing those prodigals to go yeah. when people are, our kids or friends or others are just completely rebelling against God's laws and God's rules or our family rules. There's sometimes that a we have to be willing as God does to let them go and figure things out on their
1: own. Yeah, because we get it wrong where two sides, uh, We tend to be so that God and me should be in partnership, right? We should be a team. We should be praying for the heart of the people in our lives because the heart is where the desires are, the motivations. And when God changes the heart, then the actions on the outside, the externals change. Yeah, but the heart is really the key that we pray for. The heart where we tend to get it wrong is we either go um, on one side of a cliff or the other side of the cliff. So one side of the cliff, we say, "Well, it's all God. God has to change the person. So I'll just be lazy and I'll give up and I'll cut them out and I'll abandon them because it's all God." I and don't want to doing bother
0: praying, and I just no. don't want
1: to even think about it. Yeah. It's too painful and too painful. God's not doing it, so I'll just give up then. Yeah, as one side of the cliff. The other side of the cliff we tend to go on is we tend to take it all on ourselves and we become very controlling. And I have to do it all because God's not obviously. So I have to do it all. I have to nag. I have to plead. I have to beg. I have to put all these externals in place. To run after that prodigal Absolutely. and find out where they are and search yeah. them on Facebook and watch what they're doing. and <laughs> Yeah, and plead and nag and beg. And then we get to the point where we do this so long that we become burnt out and crippled ourselves. So we tend to fall off on those sides, but actually needs to be a, a partnership where we pray for their heart and we allow God to do his work. And we watch and wait and love them no matter what, while they are sinning. Like so, I, I love Romans 5, 8, where it says you don't have to be cleaned up. God loves us in spite of our sin. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So God loves us even when we are sinning. So we need to model that as people Mm -hmm. watching out for those who are rebelling. Yeah. Yeah. We love them even when they're sinning. What does that mean? Well, and many of you have heard me repeat this. I mean, we love them by, we go for coffee with them. We send them birthday texts. We send them care packages. We might give them a gift card. We might send them flowers. We might go visit for an hour. We don't give up relationship with them. But we don't necessarily nag and plead and pound them over the head every time we see them. Yeah. Because we're not one back into the kingdom with arguments and anger. That's not how we're one. We're one back to God with kindness and love and compassion.
0: Yeah. It's our our, um, natural... Um, instinct or inclination just to not to want to be back in relationship with somebody who we know is going to give us a lecture. Yeah. Right? And I know even for me, yeah. like my resistance to going to the dentist yeah. is because I know they're going to nag me about not flossing. And I just like, I don't want to sit there and have them nag me about not flossing. Yeah. And so I'm not going to go to the dentist. Yeah. And that's a stupid reason, but it shows inside me that I just don't want to be nagged about something. Yeah. I want somebody to just say, oh, it's good that you're here. <laughs> you're actually yeah. taking care of your teeth. and you're. But our instinct, we feel like somehow We're going to have the right words to say or whatever that's
1: going to make somebody change. Yeah. Yeah. People don't want to show up to a family dinner if they know they're going to get those nasty looks and those condemning and the eye rolling and the like you're living apart from, you know, God and you're living sinfully. So, you know, just terrible sort of thoughts and judgments and nagging. They don't want to come to a family dinner. No. But they'll come to a family dinner if you're like, great to see you. Come have a second helping. Come sit here. I want to hear about what you're involved in. Even if they're sinning.
0: Yeah. And that is hard. Yes. Like I was out. <clears throat> yeah. I, I've encountered a few people recently who I know are living in a difficult, like not in the way God would have them. And my first instinct, I walked into a room last night and saw somebody. And my first instinct was to want to avoid that person because yeah. I just was felt frustrated and annoyed and I didn't want to show grace. And that's our natural instinct is we want to be a little bit judgmental or rebellious yeah. because we were frustrated with somebody's behavior.
1: Yeah. In this story, it's a little easier because the person who is sinning, the son, he decides that he's going his own way. No matter what, I'm going that way. That's sometimes a little easier than someone who is in your home and sinning. So I meet regularly with parents who have an older teen or a young adult living under their roof that is doing all kinds of things they shouldn't be. So they might be skipping school, um, drugs, marijuana, vaping, alcohol, sleeping with their girlfriend or boyfriend, like all these kinds of things that parents just like, want to pull their hair out. They don't know what to do with this kid. So in that kind of a circumstance, you need to decide with your spouse or wise Christian friends or your wise parents or whoever, you need to decide At what point do you say, you know what, these are our house rules, respectfully, compassionately. These are the things that we allow in our house, you know, things, reasonable things like we all participate in unloading the dishwasher. We all participate in maybe prepping meals or cleaning up meals. We all participate in respectful talk in our house. If you don't want to follow these respectful rules, then maybe you need to find your own place to live. And I think that's okay for parents to come to that point where they say, it's not okay for you to be sinning under my own roof in ways that are so against how we are as a family. So why don't people do that? Why do people
0: allow that to continue to happen in their own homes? What are the reasons?
1: Yeah. And again, it's a heart issue, heart issue for parents where they're so afraid that their child will feel the sting of living away from the home, that they'll be couch surfing or they'll be on the streets. And they're so afraid that their kid might be hungry and lonely and um, maybe be in the cold or the rain. And, I feel that. Absolutely. That, yeah. That's awful as a parent. And we walked through that as a family when I was growing up with my brother. But on the other hand, if they don't feel the sting, how will they feel the need to change? Yeah. If it's comfy and cozy at home and they have meals and they have laundry and somebody's always there to pick up the pieces, how will they then realize that what they're doing is harmful to them and harmful to their family and their relationships? Yeah. So I encourage parents to think this through. Yeah. Yeah. We have um, uh, some people in our life, in my family's life, they uh, have uh, an adult son who our whole growing up, he's now in his 50s, but our whole growing up, he didn't do anything. So he stayed at home and was just simply lazy. Like he never cut the grass, never helped out his family. He did nothing. He didn't have a job. His parents totally cared for him. Even when his dad passed away, the parent, the mom now cared for her son completely and totally. And this now 50-year-old man has lived at home the whole time and has never done anything. Wow. And I think that is not okay. The son is now sort of crippled in the fact that he has spent so many years in this habit of not doing anything for himself or for his mom, his widowed mom, that he, how, how is he going to turn around? That's going to yeah. be such a lot of work. Whereas if we start that when they're in their older teens saying, actually, we all have to pitch in here. Actually, we all have to do these things. And if you want to go your own direction, you're going to have to go your own direction outside of our walls. But when I say that, I know that is incredibly painful.
0: Yeah. And it's scary.
1: Yeah. Walk that. Yeah. 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 I
0: think another reason people don't want to go that direction is because they're scared of what other people will think or say. Yeah. They want kind of the externals to be all covered up. So if, yes. we, can make sure, if we can make sure people don't actually see what my son's doing or daughter's doing, if we yes. just don't actually admit to it, then people will still think that we're a good, intact, whole family. Yeah. And so they don't want to admit it. They don't want to talk about it with friends and have people pray
1: for them. But that's crippling as well. Yeah, that is a huge issue when we are silent in the church, in yeah. our church community, about the muck that's actually happening. Yeah. Because we want our kids to look so good and our family to look to, so good to others. But that's an external thing. Yeah. We actually need to care about their heart, where they're at with God, more than the externals. Yeah. So, you know, if you've not listened to the apologetics video by Christopher Yuan... He is, uh, I think he's in his 40s and he is um, a gay man. He's a Christian, but he's walking abstinently, celibately with God. He loves God. He travels with his parents talking about his former life of living fully in the gay community and then becoming a Christian. And he talks about how his mom prayed for his heart and his mom prayed for his heart more importantly than his career, his education or the external things he was involved in to win him over to Christ. That was her main goal. You've got to listen to that apologetics video. You can email me, ts at northview.org and ask how to do that. Or you can read the book from a far country. What is that? I haven't read it. Okay. Anyway, he spoke. You can email me about the book too. It's incredible about this prodigal. Yeah. So why is it crippling if we're silent in the church? What because, does it do to the community? Yeah, the people around us can't support us in prayer. They can't encourage us. They can't keep us going one foot in front of the other. Yeah. It, it's, uh, and we also need to be, we shouldn't share it with everybody. So just so you know that we need to be wise in who we share our stuff with. Yeah. Because it is our, it is painful stuff and we need to be treated well with that. But... um it makes the church look like we all have it all together when that's not true. Yeah. All of us are suffering in some way and we need to help and support each other. Right. I find that the, the more people share little bits of the fact that their
0: life is not perfect, the more encouraging it is to other people. True. Right? Like just to know that, oh yeah, their marriage isn't fully perfect. So that's okay. Then we we can still be working on our stuff. Right? That's true. Or their kids aren't fully perfect. So that means, oh, good. Like it's there's a feeling of a relief. Like we don't have to pretend that yeah. everything is all good. And so we cripple each other if we live behind this false wall, yeah. I think, of not being able to say, you know, we're actually all journeying together yeah. on this
1: life and hopefully God's working in each of us, but we all have our stuff along the way. And when people reveal it, when they come and meet with me, for example, and they reveal some of this muck, then there's a chance to get resources in place. Exactly. We can put counseling in place. There's books and articles and blogs and conferences and seminars. Like there are so many resources when we reveal it, but if it's hidden, then how are we going to help each other? Yeah. Yeah, it just stays there. Yeah, festering and becoming worse. Yeah, yeah.
0: So we would encourage you to be willing to share the journey that you're on. Like we, Thalia said, trust trusted people. people. Mm-hmm. We don't have to all bear our souls to everybody. No. That's not being an honest Christian. No, please <laughs> we, don't put it on
1: Facebook. No, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> please don't put it out there so that everything your child is doing is open in the public. We you want to respect them mm-hmm. too, right? When they come back to their senses, yeah. we want to be able to uh, walk with them well with everybody around us. Yeah.
0: So okay. that's a lot that we can learn from the yeah. father. <laughs> what can we learn from the prodigal mm-hmm. in this chapter? The one who thumbs his nose at God, runs away,
1: um, decides to live his own way. Well, one thing I think of when I think of the prodigal is that we have to all realize that we are capable of being the prodigal, capable of sinning, capable of following our own hearts. Yeah. Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10 says this, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds." And our culture is telling us, follow your heart. Yeah. Whatever makes you happy, whatever gives you fulfillment, follow your heart. Yeah. But our heart is so deceitful. And so we have to recognize that we're all capable of following our heart. I'm not happy in my marriage. I need out. You know, I whatever the whoosh is. I need some pornography to spice up my life. Oh, I need to have that extra drink or two of alcohol because my life has been so hard today. Yeah. Right? Follow our heart. No, no, no. Don't follow your heart. It's leading you in the wrong direction. Yeah, that's a key difference between kind of the cultural
0: message that you'll hear and the biblical message. If you're in the Bible long enough, you'll hear over and over again in Proverbs and other places that we can't trust ourselves. It's God's word that gives us the mm-hmm. actual truth. Yeah. But we will continually, even in First John, it talks about don't deceive yourselves. It's so easy for us to deceive ourselves or to justify ourselves. Yes. Saying that we think this is good. We can be good with God and we can walk in darkness. Yes. That idea, First John 1, 5 to 9, if you want to read through that. Yeah. If, if we continue to
1: walk in the darkness, but say that we're good with God... Um, we're deceiving ourselves. Yeah. And so a quick little aside here, if you are a parent or a grandparent, aunt and uncle, and you have somebody in your life that seems to have a soft heart towards God and they're going in a good direction, everything looks good and that and it is good, that is awesome. Yeah. Pray that that will continue. Exactly. Because it's not over till it's over. Yeah. And people with a soft heart can go off into the weeds and get stuck. So please pray that your, the, the, Son or daughter or person or your life. friend, yes, or, yeah. friend, whoever will continue to walk with God. Yeah. That was just a little aside. Okay. So if it is our heart that's the problem, what's the solution for that? Yeah. My favorite verse, verses for this is in Ezekiel 36. I'm going to read it because I really want you to pay attention to how many eyes there are in the passage because I is the Lord here. And I want you to him. see what he, he does. So this is Ezekiel 36 starting at 25. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses. And from all your idols, I will cleanse you, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God, and I will deliver you from all your uncleannesses. That's an amazing passage, yeah. that it's God's job to change the heart. He yeah. does it. No amount of my pleading and begging and nagging will change someone. I can't control them. You can pray. Absolutely. But yeah. you pray that God will do his work, yeah. that through the power of the Holy Spirit, he will convict them. He will change their heart of stone, which is that sinful prodigal who wants to leave, yeah. into a heart of flesh. That's key. So yeah. if you're not praying for the people in your life that are sending, please start today. Two minutes as you drive, as you're doing your dishes, as you're, you know, whatever, pray for their heart to be changed by God into a heart of flesh. Yeah. And try
0: to focus your attention on the heart rather yes. than on the all the external behaviors, mm-hmm. because you can try and nip off every single external behavior that they're doing that you don't like. But if their heart doesn't change, they're just going to find another way to display rebellion. Absolutely. So what we want to do is have their hearts changed. Yeah. And have God really work on that and continue to pray to that end.
1: Yeah, because otherwise you're just going to have somebody who's a moral sinner. Yeah. Like just moral on the outside, like a Pharisee, perfectly good, seems like in every direction, but our heart is cold towards God. Yeah. That's not what we want. No, that's
0: this, the other way to be alienated from yeah. God, like we said at the beginning, to be yeah. overly religious yes, think that
1: you're entitled to things. And, and think that you look so good and you're so righteous. And so you should have a place in heaven because you're just so amazing. Yeah. And God, God Your heart you. is yeah. Yeah, cold. Yeah. So if you are a prodigal and you're living in a mess, what should you do? Come back, come back. You can confess your sins, First John 1, 9. If you confess your sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I love that word, all. I say yeah. that so often, three little letters, all unrighteousness. He cleanses us. And then once we confess, then we also need to repent. We need to confess our sin and then walk differently. Yeah. But we are welcome back come back to church. Yeah. There are so many people I say come back to church, come back into relationship. I know it takes courage because yeah. you've been a mess yeah. and you've been behaving badly. Yeah. But come back. Yeah. So where do people get that
0: wrong? Sometimes people want to kind of s- they Want to keep a distance, and so they mm-hmm. keep re- telling themselves, "Oh, I'm too bad. Yeah. God won't receive me back." They kind of spin yeah. in it, right? And, and family kind of won't welcome me it. back. Yeah.
1: My yeah, church won't welcome me back. So they stay in this kind of
0: attitude of self pity or alienating yourself rather than repenting and, and returning.
1: Yeah, and often they'll find a different church community, and yeah. that's that could be that's, okay. That can be okay, but it's just kind of covering up the fact that sometimes when we have been uh, sinning badly and behaving badly, we actually need to go back and reconcile and say, yeah. "I." was a mess I was wrong I've changed God has changed me can I come back it's like yes please that that's so encouraging for us when we see people that do that yeah it's always a welcoming Mm -hmm. to hear that yeah so when we see the prodigal come
0: back here um we see someone who's truly repentant yeah so I think that's something Something that's important for us to talk about a little bit too, because sometimes we can get confused as to what true repentance, true confession looks like yeah. compared to false repentance or just trying to cover
1: things up. So how would you differentiate between t- true repentance and false repentance? Yeah, and we work through this, you and I, with a lot of women here at church because it's very easy to just say, I'm sorry. Yeah. But it doesn't mean the person is actually sorry. Sometimes it just means they're sorry they're caught and they're having to suffer the consequences. And they want to kind of get back in relationship but they don't actually want to do anything about it. Yeah. So somebody who is truly sorry, we will see that walk out, not only for a day, not only for a week, not only for a month, but we'll see that going forward. We'll see that their heart change, their attitude change, their mind change, their thoughts change. We will see them in their behavior change and consistently change. And when they mess up again, they say, I'm sorry. And they change their ways. Yeah. So they might go to counseling. They might be involved in a program. You can see a softness. You can say, you'll just see a total change all the way through walking forward. Yeah. So it's
0: like really practical things like being willing to admit that this was fully your fault, right? Yeah. Like not continuing. Because sometimes you say, I'm sorry, but you did this to me. Or I'm sorry, but, <laughs> yeah. right? And they don't want to take full responsibility for their yeah. actions. They still want to put some of the blame on somebody else. Yeah. They'll say, what do you need me
1: to do? Yes, I'll go to counseling. Yeah. Yes, take I will, responsibility. Yeah. yeah, I will admit that I did this to so and so. I'll start to make amends. Like the AA program says, you need to go back and when you recognize you're wrong, you need to go and say sorry to the people that you've hurt. Yeah. They will walk with that. They'll go say sorry to the people that they've hurt. They will try to make um, repairs to what they've done. Yeah, and they won't demand anything else in return. Like no. you see the prodigal here,
0: willing to just completely lay himself at the mercy of that father, not expecting that the Father had to do anything in return. Yeah. So a truly repentant person is just coming there to repent, not expecting you or not having a checklist of things that you have to do if they do come to repent. Absolutely, Yeah. Yeah, and willing to do whatever is required. So... Yeah, false repentance would be, like I said, saying I'm sorry, but then not taking full responsibility. Yeah, or you don't just, see
1: any attitude change, you don't see behavior change, or you might see it for only just a short little while and then they're back to their old ways. Yeah. That's not true confession and true repentance. No. What else can hinder true confession and true repentance? What are you thinking? What are you
0: talking about um, if we're kind of living in sin continually and not seeing the the barrier that we have between us and God, right?
1: Yeah, that's an interesting one. I think sometimes people live in sin and they don't realize that they're sinning or God hasn't revealed it for them or they they have to go through a wrestling of, okay, is this sin? And if it's sin, do I give it up? That's a hard thing sometimes because sin attracts us for a reason. It's sticky. It's very... It's attractive. uh, Yeah, it's attractive. Sometimes it's fulfilling for a while. There's a whoosh that comes with it. So to give up those things can feel really awful for a time. So I I often link it to food. I don't know why I always link things to food. But (laughs) um, years ago when my kids were small, we went to McDonald's a lot with our kids because they had a play place and we ate a lot of McDonald's food. And then we got into the sort of the time when people were saying, well, that's not really very healthy for you. You should eat more salads and you should eat healthier. So I'm like, eh. (laughs) So, okay, went to McDonald's less. We started to eat more healthy food. That doesn't actually feel good. When you start eating healthy and you give up junk food, your body craves the junk food. It doesn't like the healthy food but I kept walking in the direction of health and eating more healthy food. And what's interesting is over time, you enjoy the healthy food, it feels better. And now you don't want the McDonald's food. Yeah, uh, I know McDonald's has good things now. So I, <laughs> I'm just using it as an example. Yeah. But you don't want the junk food because it doesn't feel good in your body. But that is a Time of a transformation. Process. It's yeah. a process. Yeah. So it's like that with sin. When we're deep in sin, it feels really good. Yeah. And when you start to disengage yourself with sin, with confession and repentance, it doesn't feel very good. No. And then as you walk, but as you walk closer and closer to Christ over a long period of time, sin doesn't feel good anymore. Yeah. So when I turn on a TV show or I read a book that is clearly sinful, I am... Very quickly start to feel that yuck of yeah. the junk food. Like, yeah. oh, no, 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 no. That I don't food. want to go there. And I can feel that faster now than years ago. Right. It, so that's a process. Yeah. So I'd say continue to walk with Christ. You'll f- feel better eventually. Yeah. But <laughs> expect that it <laughs> will, first. might
0: be. Yeah. It'll be messy at first.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't feel good at first. No. But it is worthwhile. Yeah. Absolutely. Because, yeah, like we said, God's word reveals what is actually true about our situation. Yeah. Not the way we feel in our hearts. And not only worthwhile now. But worthwhile eternally. Yeah. And worthwhile for the people that are following us, that are watching our lives, the legacy we leave behind. Yeah. Yeah. You think of what,
0: yeah, how you can influence the people coming behind you, right? Mm -hmm. For good or for evil. Yeah. Okay. We have a few minutes left. What can we learn from the older brother in the story?
1: Yeah, that I feel for the older brother because I think that's me. I think I'd <laughs> yeah. be a very good Pharisee. I'd be very good at being legalistic and righteous. I'd be very good at being angry at that sinner that repents. That's totally me. Yeah, I could see myself where if that sinner repents, you'd be like, You messed up. You stay messed up. And (laughs) I don't want you back. And I'm not going to celebrate your return. You have to jump
0: through all these hoops before I can accept you again. Because
1: look at what I've done the whole time you're gone. And I'm so amazing. And you're so terrible,
0: which the story points out both
1: those attitudes are so bad,
0: right? Both of them, the thumbing your nose at God and thinking
1: we're so perfect. I hate seeing that in myself. Yeah. So they both will alienate us from God. I know. So speaking to myself, the older brother, and I truly am the older sister. As well. It's learning to ask God continually for a heart of compassion for those who are sinning Mm -hmm. Uh, in my family, in my extended family, in my friendship circles, Lord. Uh, And I actually pray that a lot because I have a number of friends that have walked away from their marriages, walked away from Christ. And I've had many opportunities to see them locally, Save on Foods or in the area for a walk. And what's interesting is God has, as I pray, God has given me a heart of compassion where I can talk with them and enjoy them and not feel that yucky older brother syndrome. Yeah. But that's a God thing. Yeah. And I keep asking for that because I so can go older brother direction. Yeah. Yeah. But we want to celebrate the people that are coming back, even yeah. lurchally coming yeah. back. We want to always be just cheering them on, mm-hmm. yeah, and encouraging them in that, yeah. yeah, and say, "Come along! I'm in process. You're in process. Uh, we're all part of the sin club." But let's not stay and wallow in it, soak in it, spin in it. Let's keep going with Christ. Yeah, one foot in front of the other. Let's keep going, keep going, keep going. Yeah, yeah. I
0: think the other big antidote is just recognizing over and over again how fall how. All of us fall short of God's Ah. glory and his law, right? And recognizing the fact that we really, as much as we might be living on the outside a more obedient life, our hearts still, without Christ intervening, we would be following that same path. Absolutely. And we could be following into just as opposite ways of, of being against God. And so we just recognizing that we all are sinners and that we all need Christ.
1: Yeah. And just because you and I are pastors does not mean that we are set no. We know lots of pastors that have fallen into that ditch of sin and completely flamed out because of sin. Yeah. So we, Crystal and I are not safe yet. No. We're not safe <laughs> not until, until we're dead. No, until we've <laughs> taken our last breath. Yeah. So if you're listening to us, pray for us, pray for yourselves, because none of us are yet safe. I, I need my heart to continually be soft towards God yeah. for the rest of my life, and I don't know how long that is. Yeah it's scary. And that's kind of good to be scared. I'm okay with that because it keeps me following God. Yeah. In our first Peter lesson yesterday, we were talking about the fact they
0: calls Jesus the shepherd and overseer of our Mm. souls. And I said, isn't it so amazing that we have someone that's overseeing our souls? Because all of us can go off that path so quickly. And I'm so thankful for people who have pulled me back onto the path when I could have gone off with weird ideas or weird (laughs) sins, right? I can go off doctrinally or I can go off in terms of sin. And if people have pulled me back,
1: God's pulled me back. Like, Our I'm just parents so pull us back. Yeah. My parents pray for me. They talk with me. I'm so thankful for parents who love God. My husband pulls me back. My kids remind me to keep following God. Like yeah. there and are so many people around us. The, yes, hearing the preaching and <laughs> being poked by other pastors here and friends. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, the fact that we have to teach Bible study keeps us going oh. <laughs> because we have to actually. Read these words and apply them and talk and think about them in our own lives.
1: Yeah. And I would encourage you, if you're listening, be involved in a Bible study group of some sort or a parent's prayer group, which I did for years, because it's funny, as I was leading the parent's prayer group, I had to then be in God's word and in prayer in the weeks because I'm the leader. Yeah. Or if you're in a Bible study group, you have to do the homework so that, you know, you can keep going because you want to be at your Bible study group. These things help pull us along. We need that. On our own, we don't naturally do those things. no. Or at least I don't. No, I don't think a lot of people do. No, and we can so easily fall into that trap Mm -hmm. of not recognizing
0: our own need for God and slowly getting our hearts hardened. Absolutely. So, yeah.
1: Why don't you pray to that end as we leave? Okay. Lord, for our listeners and for Crystal and myself, we pray that you would continue to soften our heart, that you would continually replace our heart of stone, which is so natural for us, into a heart of flesh, that you would do that, that we would give ourselves into your hands, that we would submit to you, Lord. That we would ask for your help. I always think of Psalm 121. I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. And Lord, so many people have heard me say that in our prayer times, in the offices upstairs. But it is so true. We need your help because on our own, we are not capable. And so, Lord, would you lead us today? Would you give us the energy and strength to follow you by the power of your Holy Spirit? We ask these things in your name. Amen. Amen.